and blue what do you do we got stories to see you through that time of the month that time of the month need a fix come get your kicks we got tales by kooky chicks that time of the month that time of the month So you guys, you might say, that time of the month, this is a show for girls, but you're wrong, because there is a token man at every show, and your token man for this show will be reading a story called Walking Upstairs. Please welcome Mr. Peter Gross. There he is. You're so brave. everybody hear me? Uh, if you read the Nashville scene that wrote this up, you'll notice that my name was actually prefaced by the phrase, insert joke here, um, which honestly, I could die happy having had that in the newspaper, and I'm planning to <laughs> legally change my name to insert joke here. <laughs> Shelly and I have two kids, a girl age 12 and a boy age 10. Both are Chinese, and neither of us are which means we acquired each of them the old-fashioned way. We went to a third world country, paid some Chinese bureaucrats a bunch of money, and flew home on a jumbo jet over the North Pole. <laughs> the adoption of our daughter in 2004 was fairly straightforward. We filled out a few hundred forms, gave the Department of Homeland Security our fingerprints a few times, and created a lengthy and elaborate dossier, which was translated into Mandarin Chinese. 18 months after we started, we sat in a hotel in Nanchang with an amazing 14-month-old girl named Claire June. Easy peasy, Chinesey. <laughs> or at least that's the way it feels now. So when we decided to adopt another child from China, we thought, hey, now that we know what we're doing, the second adoption should be a breeze. Ha. This time we ran into a few snags. First snag. China's adoption process for healthy babies slowed way down. When we submitted our dossier for healthy baby number two in 2007, they predicted we would have a baby in um, 2014. Naturally, we said, are you kidding? Who orders a child seven years in advance? <laughs> I get angry when Sears tells me it'll take seven days to get my new refrigerator. <laughs> Second snag. The rest of the international adoption landscape constricted considerably. Vietnamese and South American adoption programs seem to open and close more frequently than the bathroom stall at a hot chicken place. <laughs> programs in Russia and other Eastern European countries were having problems. What was a wide open international landscape in 2003 began a precipitous decline that still continues today. The third snag, Korea rejected us. We have good friends who have great kids from Korea. We know all Asians don't look the same, but at least our kids would look similar. And if we lost our jobs, they would all likely be able to subsist on a diet of rice congee and soybeans. <laughs> we were excited. We picked an agency. We filled out forms, completely and unfortunately honestly. And in the end, we were turned down. 
because we had previously sought psychological counseling. Let me repeat that. Turned down because of psychological counseling. I grew up Jewish, for God's sakes. What's the alternative? We knew the counseling might be an issue. We tried to decide if we should lie about it on the medical forms. The trouble was, I couldn't remember if we had lied on the forms for the previous adoption. And if we had not lied on the previous forms, would anybody make the connection? If so, it would have, of course, exposed the current lie. So either we lie now and possibly get caught in that lie, or we risk telling the truth. After being rejected, we cried together and swore to boycott Bibimbap forever. And we turned to the path we had talked about, but had thus far put off, waiting kids from China. Waiting kids are those who are older than two years or have medical, emotional, or other issues, ranging from correctable, and sometimes even corrected, heart problems, to severe emotional or physical conditions and everything in between. We had considered the waiting kids route once before, shortly before Korea, and came close to adopting a little girl with hepatitis B. We wrestled carefully and thoughtfully with what it would mean to bring a child into our family with a disease that might at any point flare up and put her liver and thus her life in danger. I ultimately decided I could not handle the fear and we passed on her with a good deal of regret that still lingers today. However, once Korea turned us down, Shelly moved into stealth bomber adoption mode. <laughs> Quietly and efficiently, she re-engaged in the listservs and the websites that serve parents seeking waiting children in China. And one day, Shelly found Guanjin. He had cleft lip and cleft palate. He was a little under four years old, and he really was a beautiful boy in spite of what was a very severe cleft lip, which had only been partially and not terribly successfully repaired. When we decided to evaluate Guanjin, the orphanage gave us a bunch of pictures of him on Soviet-style play equipment, in Maoist-era clothing, with caregivers who were perhaps one or two generations from being characters out of the good earth. <laughs> we also got a medical report that included growth charts, a history of surgeries, and such cryptically unhelpful observations as, quote, he is very good at walking upstairs, end quote. <laughs> That's nice to know. What about downstairs? We have both types of stairs in our house. The fear of this decision was overwhelming for me and left to my own devices would have put it off until we found the perfect child, one which presented no risks and no problems. This is another classic case where Shelley's boundless Episcopalian optimism crashed straight into the Jewish app installed in my head. My own superhero name is the Morbid Reflector. able to direct even the smallest amount of evidence into a worst-case scenario. And boy, I could come up with a lot of scenarios in that case. Shelley and I talked for hours about those scenarios and how hard it would be to manage his cleft lip, speech issues, assimilation to our family, into our country, and to the English language. We talked with families that had adopted cleft kids and with doctors who specialized in international adoptions and reviewed websites dedicated to cleft issues. And I dragged this issue through multiple group therapy sessions where pros and cons were debated. In the end, I put my fear aside, or at least to the side, and decided to trust that his path and ours were the same, and that fear would not make the decision for me. Guanjin was destined to become Wade Guanjin Gross, 
and I was destined to be the father of a four-year-old boy with cleft lip and palate who apparently is great at walking upstairs. <laughs> we packed our things and headed out to, sh to China. Shelley and I, six-year-old Claire June, and my 16-year-old nephew Dan. Again, we flew over the North Pole to China and landed in Shanghai, where we fought jet lag, accidentally ordered garbage can-sized bowls of hot and sour soup, <laughs> and explored the city. Three days later, we took the train to Nanjing amidst a crush of what seemed like 5,000 Chinese who were determined to get on the train first in spite of having reserved seats. We checked into our hotel and went promptly, promptly to the adoption office where we handed over a big wad of cash and met our son for the first time. He was sitting on the couch with one of his caregivers and Mama Zhang, the powerful force who was the director of his orphanage. He was carrying the Spider-Man backpack we had sent him a few months earlier. He was clinging to the pillow we had sent him that had a picture of the three of us printed on it. This seemed like a promising sign. We spent time with him and his caregivers. We had toys and clothes and other presents, each of which he shoved into his backpack after examining it for a few minutes. Over time, he stuffed everything we gave him into that backpack, <laughs> and a few things we did not. <laughs> we think he viewed our first visit as a field trip, so naturally he'd want to bring all his stuff back to show his friends at the orphanage. The bag was eventually so heavy that he needed his own Sherpa, <laughs> which was me. At some point in that first meeting, his caregivers sneaked off, something we presume they do to avoid unnecessarily tearful goodbyes. Yeah, right. It only avoids it for them. When he realized they had left, he completely freaked out. He started screaming, blood-curdling and heartbreaking screams. And because his backpack was still light at that point, ran full speed to the door and banged on it to get out. These flights of terror were repeated every time we went to a different hotel or to the airport. If we took our eyes off him for a little while, we would see a little boy with a red winter jacket, Red Sox baseball hat, and a backpack running in the other direction. Any other direction. As we took trips around Nanjing to the grocery store and other shops, our guide Lily would tell Wade in Mandarin that if he was a very good boy and did not cry, that his new mama and baba would love him and buy him toys. When we took him out to his first lunch with us, we also made a startling discovery. He had no upper front teeth. In my typically incisive way, I looked at Shelley and said, holy shit, he doesn't have any front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that's pretty normal for cleft kids. Apparently we had a lot to learn. We also learned that this terrified little boy was in the next moment capable of incredible trust and joy. He bonded with Claire June from the word go, and they were playing and laughing and holding hands within hours, despite sharing zero formal language. He discovered the joys of orange juice and proceeded to drink groves of the stuff. And when we came back home, our dog and cat scared him horrendously. And within one week, he was trying to ride the dog across the floor. His personality today is almost an exact mirror of what we knew of him in those first few days. Funny, clever, inquisitive, resilient, and prone to fits of anxiety. In the end, both Shelley and I were right. My fear of adopting a four-year-old boy with cleft issues was pretty right on. Life has in many ways been extremely challenging as we learn to raise a boy with speech issues, cleft issues, anxiety, and some learning challenges. But Shelley's boundless optimism was also right, because fear never made the world or life better. We made a 7,400 mile leap of faith that we were strong enough as individuals and as a family to handle the uncertainty that comes with any of life's decisions or indecisions, 
biological, adoptive, or otherwise. When we look back, the arc of this story curved only toward Wade. We had door after door shut in our face for the second adoption. Yet Shelley found Wade literally within 48 hours after the Korea door shut. Our adoption was approved exactly six months to the day after that. And one month later, we were sitting in a Nanjing Starbucks as a family of four. I'd be lying if I'd said it has been easy peasy Chinesey. The important <laughs> stuff rarely is, and that includes walking downstairs. Yeah. Thank you. Go spread the word. They're funny, smart, and so absurd. Happens every month. It's the neatest storytelling.